Hello and welcome, you're listening to the Town Sounds Oral History Podcast. This episode is entitled Complex Harmony, the Kirklees Jazz Scene, and it was an assortment of clips from Michael Massey and Stan Sagan that opened up this episode. Sometimes words can't describe what you're trying to say about music. You have to feel it and see it and sing it and squeal it. And that is what this episode will attempt to bring to life. As a result, Complex Harmony will feature some longer clips of music than most of our monthly episodes do. It is also no coincidence that this episode is being released in October, the same month as Marsden Jazz Festival, where we were able to hear live jazz at its best. We hope you enjoyed the festival, but if you missed it, make sure you put it in your 2024 calendar now. It truly is an amazing event, which if you want to know more about, was featured in episode one of this podcast series. But it's not only Marsden Jazz that has put Kirklees on the jazz map. One of the first residencies at the Batley Variety Club was Louis Armstrong, and Huddersfield has a jazz guitar society and a jazz guitar festival. There are a number of local jazz knights, jazz singers and professional jazz instrumentalists around the area. Jazz, for some reason, has a special place at the heart of Kirklees, and in this episode we'll do our best to find out why. Laurie Stead, to start us off. Well, you can't beat listening to music per se as it were, live. You, you can't... It, not just jazz, any kind of music. You're there, somebody's performing to you. It's got that sort of magic about it. That's what it's all about. Mm. Yeah. It takes you out of yourself for an hour or so. Yeah. It's helped an awful lot. I'm sure you know that as well. This episode is entitled Complex Harmony because jazz does have a bit of a reputation for being a bit more complex than some other genres of music. Outside of trad jazz, the genre tends to push the boundaries and do things that most musicians can't and most audience members probably can't handle. To find some way through this tricky subject then, I've asked some people to tell me what's going on with jazz in Kirklees. My guests today will be music enthusiast, collector and podcast host Laurie Stead, double bass player Stan Sagan, drummer Paul Smith, bass player Paul Chamberlain and singers Pat Fulgoni and Michael Massey. We'll also hear some music. Let's start off our musical journey with a player that was mentioned in nearly every interview I had with anybody for this episode. This is Lay It Down Charlie Brown by Rod Mason, being performed by his band Elements. We'll start with a little history of Kirklees jazz from a couple of people who have been on the scene for a good while. If you've been listening to this podcast series, you will certainly remember Laurie Stead, who introduced us to the Beatles and their visit to Huddersfield in 1963 in episode 3. Well, Laurie is also the founder of Huddersfield Jazz. He's a local music enthusiast who knows a lot about the local scene. So let's hear what music in Kirklees was like in Huddersfield. Uh, one of the guys I worked with in his spare time was a pianist with a local dance band. 
at Lewis Hill, which were well known at the time. So we'd often start talking about jazz and he gave me some records and I think that's really where it started. There was a pub in Huddersfield and they started a jazz record society and you go along with your LP, your favourite LPs and you perhaps play a couple of tracks. That's where you picked up quite a lot of interest. There, there was a jazz club, the, one of the earliest ones I remember was uh, in Threadneedle Street which um, is uh, near the bus station. I went along to that and in fact there was rather a young pianist who played there and he was very much himself inspired by Oscar Peterson but he did become very well known in modern adventurous jazz and he went beyond jazz shall we say his name was, well it still is as far as I know we've lost touch, Howard Riley well some of the music became very difficult to listen to though I, I loved listening to him it was um, it became not just known in this country but abroad especially in Europe where they were a little bit more open-minded for new sounds I've been pretty fortunate in that uh, I'm practically wide open as to what sort of music I will listen to and there is certain music like jazz and folk that I, you know I'm really keen on but uh, I listen to lots of other things through that uh, it worked out that I got the job working for the examiner. I got a, a job for writing the jazz column. I, I was very pleased because I was a friend of Athel Buxton's, so it was rather nice to carry on the traditions, it were, if you want to call it that. And also, I uh, Athel liked to have a drink when he went to jazz gigs, and he didn't drive, so I used to drive him to these various gigs in Wakefield, in Leeds, and Manchester. Uh, because I didn't drink and uh, of course he got me into these gigs uh, you know being part of the team as it was so it was rather nice to carry on from him after he uh, retired. Laurie is one of the organisers of Huddersfield Jazz which is a voluntary organisation run by a small group of jazz enthusiasts. The aim is to programme national and international jazz musicians to play live in Huddersfield as well as providing opportunities for newly emerging players. The club holds monthly events from September to December, March to June. Here's Laurie Stead. He's going to tell us about Huddersfield Jazz. It started 30 years ago when Laurie was writing a jazz column in the Huddersfield Examiner. Oh, well, I was going... Well, I was helping to run Huddersfield Jazz, but I was going to all sorts of gigs all over the place, mainly Lancashire and Yorkshire. Uh, it started over just over 30 years ago somebody approached me, a local jazz musician, uh, at a jazz gig. The only jazz gig I can recall, would you believe, in the Huddersfield uh, Library. And uh, this chap took me on one side and started whispering about starting a jazz club. And he, he said uh, who he was. So I, I did it, write about it and invited people to come along to a meeting, which was at my parents' house. And uh, I can't remember how many turned up. Thankfully, it didn't fill the, fill the house. But about 
half a dozen or perhaps more people turned up, including uh, a local musician, very well known in the Huddersfield area and abroad, uh, called Ben Crossland. And he and I and a few others started this purely as an experiment with a local jazz group uh, at the um, Crown Hotel. We stayed there for a couple of years, but we've moved around an awful lot because for one reason or another, it's not been suitable. And um, we've had 11, and sorry, 12 homes now moving around, including at the university. And more recently, we've been, for only two months, we've been at the White uh, Swan. But jazz uh, venues in Huddersfield are rooms that could put on music that we want to put on that are very far. Well, we can't find them. Well, it's always live jazz. Well, as I say, we started off with local jazz musicians. Then we started booking jazz musicians from Leeds, Sheffield. Uh, the best time was later on when uh, the uh, Lawrence Buckley opened and um, we got invited to start a jazz club in the cellar. And uh, at that time, Kirklees gave various arts groups music to put on various events and we were lucky to get a grant for a few seasons and we were able to you know be book big names uh, we even booked some on a few occasions uh, American jazz musicians and uh, we did quite a lot of well-known names over a period of well we were there for 11 years yeah uh, but uh, as I say we've had uh, a few venues and uh, but we're struggling now at this present time. That music there was Saratoga by Larry Van Creet. The musicians performing on the track are Larry on guitar, Jeremy Platt on keys, Caroline Bowden on drums, and Ben Crossland, who Laurie has just mentioned, on bass. Laurie mentioned the Crown Hotel there as well, which had a number of jazz events on at one point. One of the bands that played there named themselves after the pub. Crown Jewels was fronted by Michael Massey. The Crown Jewels became the Crown Jewels because they played the, because we played the Crown, mm. uh, J-O-O-L-S. And we started doing... Uh, Weddings and functions and birthdays, and then then we got uh, we got known on the uh, society wedding circuit, and so and that was word of mouth. We didn't have an agent until towards the end. We 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 started packing the place out at the uh, the Crown because people like something they think they can do. They don't they can sing. Everybody can sing, can't they? If they don't, even if nobody else hears it. So they can relate to a singer. And of course, I had the freedom to engage them. And I'd learned from watching other people. I'd worked at the coach house when I came out of the shop and Lawrence, who was the bouncer at the coach house, who, who had the crown, said, Mick, said, you're going you're gonna to have to go. He said, your audience is too posh. He said, they're too middle class. They're making a beer last an hour. I want lads in here throwing it down the necks. And so we looked around and we got, we went on to Bogies, the other end of town. So we did, they did, we did groove jazz, you know. 
and they would all come to see us, and we could we would go. I would go and see them, and you could sometimes see two bands in in Huddersfield pubs on a Tuesday night. But it was before Mrs. Thatcher, and before there were a lot of people working, and they had money to spend. Big point is there were there were very little else. There's there's pre internet, pre Game Boys, pre uh, laptops, and all that, all that stuff, and people were much more inclined to go and put and beer was relatively cheap. So they would they were quite happy going to a pub. And yeah, part of it was obviously a social thing. And brought people getting minibuses and buses and coming to see us. And it was it was a relatively small pub. And it really worked. Steve suddenly said, Oh, we are going down, we we're, we're, we're going to spend a day in the studio, Abbey Road. And I, and there was a studio in Liverpool called Abbey Road, and I assumed that was it. And I said, so just uh, out to Liverpool, to, not Liverpool, St John's Wood. We spent, we're in there from about half past nine in the morning. Did a lot of band tracks in the morning. Graham and I were hanging about. Graham did one song. I'd, I'd worked out to do two, but I'd had three pints of Stella and a couple of joints by then. There was a girl called Mandy Lodge, and she had a band called Mandy and So What. And she came in with us and she did uh, sang two songs in the uh, towards the end, really good. She sang, she played with, we did some gigs together, lovely girl, uh, gay girl, powerful voice. The Crown Jewels was, had a, a wide collection of different, different sorts of players. Denny from the Witch Doctors actually plays percussion on it. Jazz, of course, is a huge term that's used for many different subgenres. And by the early 90s, our next guest was making an eclectic noise with his band, Swing of Things. I spoke to Stan in early 2022, during the beginning of the war in Ukraine. He told me a little of his backstory, which was important to his musical upbringing and eventual jazz influences. In the background, we'll hear Humoresque by Dvorak, recorded by Swing of Things, in 2010. Yeah, I mean, we brought up Polish, 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 Polska this, Polska that. As I got, as we got older, we realised that my dad wasn't wasn't Polish as such. He was technically Ukrainian, we think, because we found out that he was a member of another ch church. He was an Aida Uniate Greek Catholic. And it wasn't actually until my dad died that a lot more came out. And he died in 1984, and in 90, and I knew he'd been arrested and taken off to Siberia. There's those stories. There's all big lots of crap there as well. My mother and her family had been taken off to Siberia as well. But it wasn't until after my mum died in 91 that we got a letter addressed to, addressed to my father in my dad's handwriting on the thing, which was weird. And inside was a letter in Cyrillic, handwritten Cyrillic. Turned out that it, we'd had two half-sisters, i.e. he had a wife and two kids before the war, they got left, they didn't see each other until the thaw in the 60s, they didn't see, then there was a letter, there was photographs, and they were told they were cousins, but the true story didn't come out until after they both died, really, you know. But my dad talked about the gypsies coming in and playing in the village where he came and like campfires and playing fiddles and him trying to do it, and there's a lot of that in me as well, my dad's side, and his, my dad's village is the only one I've visited in Ukraine. I was hoping to go to my mum's, but that's not likely to happen in the near future. He talked about playing uh, Harmoshka, which is basically some kind of squeeze box, probably some kind of Bandonian, back in, um, I'll say, Polesia, because that's the area where he lived, northern Ukraine, southern Belarus. It was a Polesia, swamps and forests and rivers meandering. 
And uh, he, so that kind of excited me. I remember going with him to a gig under the Polish church, probably when I was about 12, uh, some evening gig, and he told me it was a Ukrainian band, I remember, fiddled that accordion. And I remember somebody saying, oh, the Ukrainian bands are the best here. Stan is the bass player in Swing of Things and has been the consistent member of the band, but those keen on the local scene will likely know some of the other members who have drifted on through the band. The piece we've just heard is Roll Rizzler Roll, performed by Swing of Things and written by Huddersfield-based Tom Pryor. Stan will tell us more. We re-enter his story after years of him playing in punk bands, organising gigs and generally being on the West Yorkshire music scene. Just trying to double bass out and the Jason there and there was Tom, Tom Pryor, he's a great guitarist and it was people talking about Django that saying we can, hey, we can do Man is Swing, can't we? And at one point we had five guitarists and a double bass and Andy Wallace on clarinet and then it's formed into four or five of us, which was a fiddle player, Eddie Armitage, Andy Wallace on clarinet and baritone sax in Swing of Things, but he's a tenor player. But the beauty of him playing with uh, Swing of Things is that we can be doing his... something repeated going on, and he can go... And he can mix it, and he can do it with us. And it's lovely, and people laugh, and it's a bit like Spike Jones, you know. There's, first, there's the lead singer, you know, because you can't... We weren't an instrumental band. We decided we didn't want to just do Django numbers. We were... Tom was a good singer. I really like his singing, Tom Pryor. So it's solidified in the core of as Tom, guitar and main vocals, me on bass, Eddie on fiddle... Andy Wallace on saxophone and the extra guitarist has kind of fluctuated. We had Chris Howes, older guy who plays this gorgeous tenor guitar. Uh, and then we had, um, oh God, um, uh, uh, Stinkhorn. Not Stink, um, what's his name? I can't remember. Oh, anyway. Josh Blink. Josh, thank you. Yeah. Blink, not Stinkhorn. Stinkhorn yeah. is a fungus. Yeah, uh, Blink, oh, he's yeah, a Josh. Great guitar player. Yeah, 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 yeah. It yeah. was lovely. It was great to meet him as well. So again, another younger lot. So he was a depth thing, and he could sing, and we and he suggested songs, and then we got Martin Chung, gorgeously played at a couple of um, and a couple of gigs at the Polish club under the church for the Mordi Mazur event, which was basically the Polish dancers repertoire. Still a few Django things there, but we throw in. Things from Cherokee, Ray Noble, to Yeah, Yeah, she said Yeah, Yeah, Tico, Tico. But, oh, yeah, lots of boogie-woogie tunes as well. Um, And Louis Prima. So, though it's jazz, and that's Afro-American, there's also part of the big European tradition. And the European tradition includes Django, it includes tangos that were in Poland and Warsaw and Germany and elsewhere and, and even Scandinavia, they got expanded, that culture. And whether it was watered down kind of early Latin fashions and fads, who knows, because films were already out there, you know, with sound and spreading, all that kind of thing, like Ucaracha, you know, there's a, Poli- there's a Mexican tune. It was used as a resistance song by the Polish army and the other resistance groups in Warsaw. 
Really? I thought it was a Polish tune. No, it was an Ericsson tune beforehand. Mm. So you get these lovely culture shocks that tell you to go clear the crap out of your head and just accept. Mm. And it happens all the time. It's just colours bleeding into one into the other. Like I had to, when I was putting weird bands on there on a poster in the in the eight, late eighties or early um, early to mid nineties, we had to put some words on there on the poster. You couldn't put everything, <laughs> but at least what they played, you know, sklonky saxophone, you know. Squeezy boxy, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Me and Stan got talking about local jazz singers and a particular jazz singer and organiser of the night Jade's Jazz Jam, Jade Harris. Yes, but I know she's busy and she's got a great voice. I've heard her singing with the Jazz Dogs mm. only, and on record with um, yeah, Band of Jays with um, Chris. I know Chris mm. from, from the cafe in, in Slowick. So, yeah, I mean, but yeah, she's got a great voice. And that gives me hope, actually, the fact that um, that. So many years on, there's things like the Northern Quarter and those, whatever, occasionally it's a scene and even the Coffee Evolution puts gigs on, you know, and Small Seeds, definitely, because that's like, I mean, Noah didn't know that we used to put gigs on there before. And I don't know what kind of cultural impact we had when we did, how big it was, you know, because in those days it was the, you had to mention, you had to make sure the local newspaper examiner knew it. So there's Laurie Steddon's Jazz, Cathingham in the folk, we always spread everything to all of them. And they were great because they'd put stuff in. Let's hear some Jade Harris, who again was mentioned a few times by several of my interviewees. The local scene wouldn't be the same without her. This is her singing jazz standard Caravan with the Band of Jays featuring Chris Raffoni on bass and yours truly on guitar. also plays with the Jazz Dogs. So while we're at it, let's hear some of their music. This was recorded live at the Grand in Clitheroe. It's the legendary Adrian Ingram on lead guitar, Ian Rowe on rhythm guitar, and Dave Turner on bass. This from their recording of Arthur Johnston's Pennies from Heaven. day you might have seen Jade Harris or Adrian Ingram or many of the other guests that I've spoken to today down at the head of steam on a Wednesday night either sitting back and soaking in the tunes or getting up and guesting for a few numbers that's exactly where I was when I interviewed my next guests Paul Smith and Paul Chamberlain organizers of the night and a resident drummer and bass player down there too they told me about the history and joy of the evening Paul Smith first. We have a nucleus of really super players. It's incredibly good value. It's £5 a person minimum. A lot of the people here pay £10 because they know we get great money. None of us are doing a bank robbery here and making a fortune.
Fortune, making just making an evening's jazz entertainment. Eddie Martell says, if you've got an expensive racehorse, he says you've got to let it have a run sometime. It's no good just having it jogging around the field and all that sort of thing. And it's the same with musicians. You have to invite them to a challenge. When Rod Mason comes, apart from his, he's very talented, but he runs the night. So we just sit back and let him shout at us appropriately. We don't have to organise everything. The other nights, I have to organise the lineup. And then we'll do other people, like Lee Hammond comes with Brian Archer, and he'll bring his two trombones. Uh, and lots of them bring some real nice arrangements, a real, uh, a real pleasure to play. And that's important that we're enjoying it because it's, we're not making a fortune financially. It's got to be a pleasurable experience. Yeah. Sometimes you turn up and for no reason, it's magic. Yeah. It's got electricity in it. And you go, what caused this? Can I do this again next week? And you try and do it the week after and it's not quite the same. It's very good the week after, but last week was magical and we haven't had a bad night in all no, we haven't. No. you know and that's not just saying it because we're running it we haven't <laughs> yeah you know, mind you this time so there is a good contrast so whatever your likes and dislikes are i think you're going to find it at the head of stage Paul Chamberlain gave me his view too. I like this clip because at some point he starts a sentence about jazz having a melody and then people improvising and coming back to the melody and his sentence is structured like that too, with a motif, a longer line and a repetition of the motif. See if you can notice it. The beauty of this gig down here at the Head of Steam on a Wednesday is that we have different people every week uh, and they're quite varied, so the kind of music that we, kind of jazz that we play is incredibly varied, really quite fulfilling, and at times incredibly challenging. Quite a long, Paul has a quite a long waiting list of people who want to come and play. I think that everybody has their own idea of what jazz is, and that comes from their own background and what they've been um, kind of exposed to. Um, and like Paul says, a lot of people like to sing along with the tune, but when the tune disappears, then they start to get a little bit worried because they don't know where they are. Um, and like you said, those boundaries can then be pushed, but as long as they're brought back in again towards the end, then the, the piece of music has been on a journey and it's come back. And you, you, get, you, you just get, you get people back in, but yeah, everybody has such a different idea of what jazz is. We're coming to the end of the podcast now. In our last episode, I promised you we'd hear from Pat Fulgoni. Although not strictly jazz, perhaps, Pat has a rich history in playing in blues bands. Blues in Kirklees is a whole other can of worms, but since we did interview Pat for the Town Sounds Oral History Collection, it would seem a shame to miss out his contribution in this podcast series, which, of course, is limited to only a few episodes. So here is Pat talking about his experience of singing the blues. Following our interview with him, we will hear him singing live in Prague, where he has a large following well i've just got back from playing a blues festival like a, a couple of weeks ago in central europe and that was called blues alive until recently all my blues collaborations have been abroad but i actually got to take a yorkshire based lineup out there despite covid and brexit so that was really really encouraging so last year i released my blues album dark side of the blues pat forgoni live in prague that was reissued it was a czech recording there's some fantastic musicians out there. And it, it picked up some great reviews last year and radio plays, especially in the United States. So I now have the all-new Pat Fulgoni Blues experience, which has been chugging along. And we, uh, 
as I say, we played at the Blues Alive Festival in Sumpec that was recorded for TV. And we even got to jam with um, Little Ed, who is a Chicago great. So that was a real thumbs up. And I, I'm kind of looking forward to doing a bit more of that. But as I say, we finally got to go in November. Did uh, four dates abroad and it was, it was great. There's some really, really good players out there and we did it on breakfast telly. I literally had the lyrics written on the floor because I didn't know these tracks, which was quite quite crazy, really, if I think back. But um, it worked really well and I, I got to play on lineups, including Johnny Winter and some real, you know, they ship a lot of American talent out there. Blues is very big on the agenda in the Czech Republic and surrounding countries. But yeah, I've settled on a lineup now for, for these British shows and actually got to take them over to, to check, which was fantastic. So uh, after a few false starts, I think we're there, Pat Fulgoni Blues Experience. <laughs> but the first gig for the Pat Fulgoni Blues Experience was um, three years ago um, at the Marsh Festival, which was um, put on in aid of a food bank. And they'd seen some footage of me from years ago in the Czech Republic, you know, singing the blues on telly and um, they said oh we really want you to play and I said yeah I'm sure that'd be alright and then I suddenly saw a poster with my name on it and I realised that I had to <laughs> I had to form a blues band <laughs> so that's how that came about so, so I'm really happy because uh, it worked If you're into your blues, check out the Huddersfield Blues Club and Sunday Blues Train, both regular live music nights happening in Kirklees. Now, just as I was about to send this podcast for master and release, I got a message from Sean M. Corby, who had heard an interview with fellow musician Martin Chung and wanted to tell us his story. So here he is, a very brief version of this interesting and challenging story of jazz from Huddersfield. I have a story and I'd like to share that story. So I'm a trumpet player and in 2018 I saw my horns and uh, stopped playing. Uh, at the time I was still playing with Jar Wobble's band and we were about to go to New Jersey to record with Bill Laswell and I know that Wobble had kind of heavily relied on, on me as being a feature of that album and it was some ways it was going to be a focus but I packed it in and subsequently I lost teeth and vowed that I'd never play again. Uh, prior to that I moved back up to Huddersfield from London in 2016 and at that time I was in conversations with Herbie Hancock about him doing a project with a band that I'd founded called the Human Revolution Orchestra. And it was just a naturally, truly diverse orchestra that came from a natural and sincere desire to, to bring people from across the um, UK jazz scene together. And they had a particular focus on interfaith dialogue, so that's the whole thing. But yeah, Herbie was doing a project with Chick Career at the time, and he said when he'd done we'd talk and it was looking highly possible that he'd come over and do um, a project with us. I really was struggling with a lot of mental health issues at the time and that's something that's plagued me right up until now and there's no doubt had a, a detrimental 
effect on my career and, and playing and decisions I made in life. Um, then I was like Gary Crosby's new troop. I was in that. Then I was in a generation of Tomorrow's Warriors. I recorded with Jay Life, Robert Mitchell and all those guys. These were people that were calling me to play with them. So they must have seen something. Yeah, and then it went from there. And I'd, I'd done lots of other things as well. Like I say, I founded Jazz in the Round the Night with Jez Nelson, still going. And that was my concept of bringing people from different scenes together that don't know each other. 2016, I moved back to Huddersfield. I've settled up here, remarried, I live in Rawthorpe, and I've led a very quiet life, live a spiritual life. And um, about six months ago, I started playing again. Obviously, with having lost teeth and wearing dentures, learned to play the trumpet, let alone a five-year break. It's not so straightforward. Brilliant young trumpet player in London sent me a trumpet, borrowed it. I'm taking lessons with some really phenomenal American teachers and I feel like I'm building the fundamentals of playing that I lacked, actually. And at, even at age 51 now, I've got more discipline, more love for playing than I ever did. The trumpet feels like my friend now. I've got some ideas, but I'm taking it patiently, getting myself together, and I think that I'm well capable of playing at a much higher level than I ever did previously. Well, that's about all we have time for today. We're coming to the end of the Kirklees year of music 2023 and only officially have two more episodes left in this series. Next month, we'll be talking about experimental and rebellious music to coincide with the Huddersfield Contemporary Music Festival. In December, we'll finish the year off with something seasonal. Brass bands, handbell ringing and steel pan. Remember, if you missed anything in this podcast and would like to know more, with the description of this episode, you should be able to find all the information that was included. Follow us at Let's Go Yorkshire on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. See you next time. This was a Let's Go Yorkshire and Sam H. Song production. The host and producer was Sam Hudson. The podcast has been supported by... Kirklees Council, Kirklees Year of Music 2023 and the National Lottery Heritage Fund. Town Sounds explores the musical histories of Kirklees to uncover untold stories through the voices of local people living musical lives. For more information on this podcast, please visit musicinkirklees.co.uk.